This is the Heartland Daily Podcast. everyone and welcome to the podcast. This is Anne-Marie Schieber from Healthcare News. How private are your medical records? You know, many people think that their privacy is protected through HIPAA, but there's a lot of misunderstanding about this and it recently became quite apparent when the Department of Health and Human Services proposed a new rule to limit access to medical records in matters of reproductive health. Now, the proposed rule has created a huge firestorm because it is being seen as a way to get around state laws regulating abortion and transgender procedures. Twyla Brace is joining me again on the podcast. She is the author of Big Brother in the Exam Room and the founder and president of the Citizens Council for Health Freedom. Welcome back, Twyla. Twyla. I'm sorry. It's early in the morning and my tongue is just not moving. (laughs) Good to have you back on. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks, Emory. <laughs> now, you know, we, we've talked about medical record privacy several times and what a myth it is. Um, now, with this proposal, this seems like a tacit admission that your medical records are not safe from the eyes of third parties. Is that how you see this? Absolutely. So the, the name of the rule is HIPAA Privacy Rule to Support Reproductive Health Care Privacy. Now, HIPAA is supposed to protect privacy, right? That's what everybody thinks. But there are actually four tacit admissions that it does not, two of them in general and two of them specifically. So the first, the first admission is that, that HIPAA actually allows the sharing of patient information without patient consent. Because otherwise, why would they go in there and say, you know, we've got to protect people who are having reproductive health care, right? Mm-hmm. The second is that the patient's data is identifiable, not anonymous. Because otherwise, why would they have to propose this rule, right? And then the third one is that they actually say that HIPAA allows data to be shared if any state or federal law requires it. So any law, so whatever you have thought, kind of privacy rights you thought you may have under HIPAA, any state or federal law can supersede them. And then the fourth admission is that HIPAA allows the sharing of identifiable patient data with law enforcement and judges without patient consent, because that's specifically what they are trying to stop in this rule. You know, I became aware of HIPAA about 50, maybe, I don't know how long the rule has been in place, but it was a while ago. And I have a friend who is a public official and he got into some trouble and 911 was involved and the ambulance was involved. And the media got hold of his medical records and reported it. And this guy, who was an attorney, and he thought, my goodness, I thought my medical records were private. How in the world do these people get the medical records? Well, the loophole was, of course, 911. But it shocked me, and it got me thinking twice. And I know you've done a ton of work on this. And, of course, now we have this new example. Um, Let's put what you said before, those four things aside for a minute and talk about what HHS is trying to do exactly. Now, this has to do with so-called reproductive health, which is mostly abortion, 
transgender surgeries, uh, the chemical and especially chemical treatments, um, you know, particularly on minors. Um, if a provider violates a state law, and we have now a number of states that have regulated or banned abortion, uh, banned transgender procedures on children, uh, will the state be able to investigate that? Um, no. If, if this goes through and actually became effective and wasn't challenged and immediately stopped, a state would not be able to do so because they would get no access to the data. So, you know, what the rule says is that no data related to reproductive health care can be shared unless the one requesting the data, that would be the police or whomever, right, uh, or the parent, right, unless the one requesting the data puts down in writing that the data will not be shared for criminal, civil, or administrative investigation or any kind of proceeding uh, having to do with criminal or uh, investigation, and that nobody will be identified uh, <laughs> for that purpose. So it's, you know, it's very broad. Uh, and then the other thing that the rule does is it creates a definition of reproductive health care, which I think is so interesting. So the definition itself is interesting. It's very broad. Um, but... But the interesting thing after that is that it, it says, it defines um, seeking, obtaining, providing, or facilitating reproductive health care. Uh, all of that, that, the definition of doing that mm -hmm. is like arranging, ensuring, performing procedures, but even expressing an interest in or sharing information about such procedures. All data for all of that is blocked, which means even Internet companies cannot be investigated for whatever they say about sharing information about, for instance, where you could get that kind of care or who could provide that care for you or who could get you across state lines, right? Nothing right. could be shared. Wow. If you think that there will be some leverage in HIPAA, it might be to investigate a crime. And this is ringing such huge alarm bells about federalism and overriding. You know, here you got a rule, not even a, a congressional act, but a rule from a bureaucrat um, trying to override state criminal laws. It's just amazing. Um, can you talk about the language in this proposal that also rang an alarm bell. And this is the stuff, and I, I read it over and over. I couldn't quite understand it, but you have um, taken a look at it and seem to have um, some grasp on it. Um, what does it mean when they talk about personal representative? Now, was this language that was already in the statute or the rule, the HIPAA rule? And um, what does it mean in this case? Okay. So under HIPAA today, a clinic or a hospital is pretty much required to recognize a patient's personal representative as though the personal representative was the patient and thus allow the personal representative to make medical decisions for the patient. So for example, if somebody comes in as the, the parent of a child or the guardian of a handicapped person or whomever, that person can make medical decisions as though they were the patient. But the Biden administration doesn't want clinic and hospitals empowered to deny the personal representative to make medical decisions. Uh, and they don't want them to be empowered to determine that the so-called personal representative who comes in with the child seeking 
uh, you know, uh, seeking an abortion or the child seeking top surgery, or and they, they do not want the hospital or the clinic to be empowered to determine that this so-called personal representative, perhaps a school counselor, is actually abusing the patient, the child. Mm. Thus, if a school counselor brings a, a child for abortion or a pimp brings a prostitute for right. an abortion or a trafficking criminal brings, you know, one of their trash children for abortion or an organization brings a child for gender transformation. The Biden administration wants to protect those individuals and never let the parents or law enforcement know who helped the patient, the child, the disabled person get the abortion or the transgender surgery. So this takes the parents fully out of the equation and protects those who would hurt the child or the handicapped children or those who are mentally ill. Wow. Wow. This is just chilling. Um, Now, what about minors who leave the state without the parents' permission? We've seen a couple of these cases, especially in the transgender stuff, but also abortion. Um, You know, they, they leave the state and we've had states even advertising this kind of tourism and giving you know, if there's a split family and there are custodial issues involving the child, like California, I think California now, they don't even care. They'll just let the kid come in and get whatever needs to be, whatever they want to get done. Um, does this, the change in this this proposed rule, does this interfere with those investigations? Because I know parents have tried to investigate, they've called their state authorities, they've tried to get the medical records in the other state. It's been a quagmire even up until this point. What What, what is your take on, on any of that? So HIPAA is a federal regulation, so it covers all um, hospitals, clinics, and you know other facilities uh, throughout the entire country. So, so if a uh, the rule would essentially make sure that states who have made abortion or a child, um, you know, these surgeries, these transgender surgeries, if a state has made those illegal, well, then the states who want to find out who has crossed the border or, uh, you know, and gotten that surgery or who has helped them cross the border and get that surgery, it would be impossible to find because no hospital, no clinic in the entire country, whether you are a state that prohibits abortion or a state that allows abortion, none of them would be able to give any data out because the person who is going after it would have to attest in writing that they are not going to use it to go after a criminal prosecution, a civil uh, a matter, an investigation of any sort that would lead to criminal charges. Wow. This is just opening the door to human trafficking, lifting kids out of state. You know, it's just really frightening. Um, Now, as it stands now, does HIPAA protect any medical information? I mean, is there a really hard and fast rule on certain medical information that is protected that you think kind of should be the standard for everything, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, there's really only two, and one is only sort of. So the first one is psychotherapy notes. They have always had a special protection within HIPAA. And the other is that genetic information cannot be used by insurance companies for underwriting purposes. It can be used for all sorts of other things, including research and that sort of thing without the patient's consent, but it can't be used for underwriting purposes. And and the data cannot be sold per se, However, if a company wants to, let's just say uh, a company wants to sell Pampers or wants to sell diapers to the parents of newborns, 
they can pay the hospital and the hospital will send out their advertising to the parents of newborns, but they will not give the information to the company so that the company cannot send it direct, but it can still, that kind of marketing can still happen. So that's, that's about it. Everything else is available to be shared as long as those who hold the data choose to share it. Uh, and patients have nothing to say about it. Yeah, I mean, I remember, and I, I'm sure I quoted you on this. This was a couple of years ago when, I think it was AMP, no, it was Google that got access to health records from Ascension Health, a large health hospital chain. Um, do you recall this? And they got all these records yeah. and some of it was identifiable. Um, how, how does that relate to this? What do they do with that information? And um, did anything ever come of that? So if I recall correctly, that might have been the Nightingale Project, because there have been some other ones, like Facebook, trying to get all the data from Stanford uh, Health System. And um, I think that was Nightingale. But what we don't know totally what happened, but of course they, they backed off as soon yeah. as this was all discovered. But the fact of the matter is this comes from the business associates part of HIPAA, which says that business associates of hospitals, clinics, et cetera, can have access to identifiable patient information if the hospitals choose to give it to them. And there are parameters that the hospitals can choose. They can have it more uh, or less identifiable, but that's up to the hospital. That is not up to the, um, the entity that gets it, and it's not up to the patient. And there are, certain, there are certain provisions about research making it more or less identifiable, but at the end of the day, even um, the U.S. government says that data is really hard to anonymize today, and if it's de-identified, it can still be re-identified. Uh, but the whole thing about data and protecting privacy really is about protecting control. It's more about protecting control than, than privacy. And, uh, and I think even what has happened here with this proposed rule is the Biden administration trying to protect the control of the perpetrators, right, mm. uh, than it is anything to do about actual privacy. They're, they have an agenda, and they're, mm -hmm. they're using it to push an agenda, and so that's, you know, that's what data is. It's, sometimes it's less about privacy than it's about personal control. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, this comment period has ended, and I think there were yeah. over 25,000 comments. I don't know uh, if that's a lot or a little, uh, but in any case, does that give you any indication of where this rule is going? Well, HIPAA itself had 50,000 comments when it first came out, and that did make some changes. So I think that we could see some changes in this rule. But the other thing is that the Biden administration could just be testing the waters with the full plan, and then they have a backup strategy, right? But I think if you look at the Alliance Defending Freedom's comments, uh, I think they suggest that the Alliance could potentially go after them for a lawsuit if they continue in this route. But I think that law enforcement, anti-trafficking groups, pro-life groups, state attorneys generals, and others should also proceed with a lawsuit if this thing actually, you know, goes into effect. Yeah. Okay. Now, um, in the meantime, Citizens Council for Health Freedom has started this public information campaign about HIPAA, um, and you put out a, a really good video. How, how is that going? And you know, has it, has it moved the needle? I, I know there was some data change. I, I know, I thought you sent out a release recently on what the state of Montana is doing, um, about data privacy. 
I know that's that's probably another issue, right? Doesn't involve HIPAA. That's it. That's genetic. It okay. doesn't involve yeah. HIPAA. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. But um, in any case, how how is the public information campaign about HIPAA going? <laughs> so it's because it's such you know in this campaign we we in April we did a month long campaign called exposing HIPAA the deliberate deception, and that's what this is. And even members of Congress and their staff think that HIPAA protects privacy. So it's kind of a long slog, you know, to get uh, changes. And I actually see that this proposed rule is going to help us get people to understand that HIPAA doesn't protect anybody's privacy. But we were in Washington, D.C. just uh, a few weeks ago talking about the fact that Congress needs to reform HIPAA to make it what every American thinks it is and therefore and thereby protect not only the privacy of Americans, but also their personal control over how their data is used because their data is being used to uh, control their doctors in the exam room. Their data is being used to keep them from accessing the care that they could otherwise have because they're being profiled and it's being determined by outsiders whether or not they can get this care or that care and it's controlling the doctors. So we really do need to reform HIPAA essentially to make it what every American thinks that it is. So maybe this proposed rule might have a silver lining. Maybe it would get some people in Congress to open their eyes about it and make some common sense changes. Um, in, In the meantime, what do you tell patients when they have to sign these forms? Everyone thinks when they sign these forms, their data is locked in a box. No one's touching it. But it's the opposite, right? <laughs> that's exactly right. And that's so funny. Locked in a box. That's exactly what they think. And, um, and it's completely different. And so if they just looked at this little statement that they're being asked to sign, which is the acknowledgement that they have received or read or understood the notice of practices of privacy practices, they would understand that notice is really a notice of disclosure practices, and it doesn't mean anything. They're not, it's, they're not consenting to the sharing of their data. They're not saying, yep, my data is just between me and my doctor. They're consenting to have looked at a form that says that they have no privacy. So we tell people, do not sign that statement, do not sign that form, do not sign that little iPad or whatever it is that they're trying to get you to do. And so do not perpetuate the myth that HIPAA protects anybody's privacy. And by law, HHS, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, says right on their website, by law, you are not required to sign the acknowledgement statement by law. So you don't have to do it. Cross yeah. it out. Don't put, you know, just, just ignore it. Uh, if you're denied access to treatment, you could actually um, uh, file a HIPAA violation that you have been denied access to treatment, and we would encourage patients to do that. But most patients can get to the manager because people all over the country are refusing to sign the form. They're crossing out the acknowledgement statement. Um, and so, but usually if they get up a little further than the, the clerk who wants them to just comply... <laughs> Yeah. They can get by that, and we have little cards that they can take and show to uh, to the clerk, to the doctor that says, by law, they do not have to sign this form. Well, that that's all good to know. I've walked out of places that hand me 10 pages and want me to sign uh, on the dotted line that I read the whole thing, and I'm like, I'm not doing that. 
And I've, I've walked out of a couple of places. They didn't involve HIPAA, but I mean, it's just getting so crazy. And we know federal rules are just nuts and these contracts are nuts and litigation is nuts. And you just, you, you feel like um, a lamb off to the wolves. I, I just, you know, it, it's just really getting crazy. And like I said, I maybe perhaps this rule, because it is getting a lot of attention, will bring some common sense changes to protecting our medical data privacy. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you, Twyla, for coming on the podcast. It's always a pleasure. You're just so full of information. And I'll recommend, I recommend the book. I have not read it yet. I've read excerpts, and I know I've quoted you lots of times. But I'm going to put a link to it. I'll put a link to the site and your video. And, um, and we also wrote an article about this too. So, um, keep a watch out for that. Thank you so much uh, for coming on the podcast. Well, thank you so much. Loved it. <laughs> Twyla Brace is the author, like I mentioned, of Big Brother in the Exam Room. And, um, uh, don't forget to check out the podcast notes because I'll have lots of good links on there. And as always, if you enjoyed this discussion, share the link, become a regular subscriber, to the Heartland Daily Podcast. If you're not already, we have really good discussions on a wide range of topics and free market solutions. We really appreciate your joining us today, and I'll be back with another topic from Healthcare News. This is Anne-Marie Schieber.